This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, back at you from Podcast Row at the Coaches Convention. Dan and Chelsea again, joined right now by Laura Harvey, head coach of Utah Royals FC. Laura, thanks for stopping by the table. Anytime. I spoke to you last week, and we joke that I call you every year for the draft, and every year you're not high up in the draft yeah. for one time. Um, how is it for you when you are sitting out the first round, this time two rounds, and what did you think of this draft in general? Um, I think this year was actually um, the most educated I feel like I was, like in terms of depth of the draft, because um, I had to be. I think a lot of times when you have high picks, spend so much time deciding the high pick that you neglect a little bit lower down sometimes um, or I feel like we've done that previously um, and I think that having such a low pick as the initial pick means that you have to really really invest a lot of time to make sure that you utilize that pick to the best of your ability and I feel that we did that uh, I feel we probably highlighted six players that we wanted to get out of those three picks and we got three of those six so being where we were in the draft I think you've got to be pretty happy with that so yeah I feel it was a good day um, wasn't overly stressful I wasn't involved in any random trades so I was I felt pretty good about it so you weren't trying to get into the first round just kind of kicking back yeah I was kicking back I had my trainers on I was chill <laughs> And what did you think? As you, what did you think of the first round? Um, pretty much went as expected. I think, in, in my mind, um, I think that teams went for the things that they felt they needed. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't think there was many shocks in my in my mind anyway. I know already your first round pick next year is gone. Um, yep. Is it intentional that you try to build your team through other means, or would you be welcome? Would you be willing to be Chicago and have four first-round picks in one year? I think sometimes if expansion comes in, which right now I don't know if that's happening or not, I think sometimes having first-round draft picks can be a real bonus for that because I think that helps alleviate some of the pressures of protecting players. Um, I think that. Um, I, I just have an opinion that in this league, if you want to be successful, you've got to look at the, the short-term versus the long-term gains. And I feel that the trade that we did provided us with some short-term, obviously short-term gains, Kristen being the, probably the biggest priority within that. But I think with Sam Johnson and Mackenzie Doniak, I think we got long-term players out of that. I think they've got six or seven years left of their career. and. Um, I feel that they, their experience and their exposure in the league is is a huge positive to us. So I'm, I'm pretty all right with it. I'm going to turn you over to Chelsea in a second, but I just want to say that when you got that first overall pick, when the 
Royals came in, and once yeah. you got hired as the coach, everybody said Laura will trade that pick, will not make that pick. Yeah, so. I'm I'm sure they did, and uh, yeah, I think I'm I I make no secret of it. I tried desperately to get Kristen out of Houston, um, and I think the. I'm sure that they are potentially looking at that thinking they could have had the number one pick, you know, and they would they would have, I'm sure, used that differently. Um, we offered both our first round picks to Houston multiple times to get Kristen, um, but they really wanted to get someone um, for, the, for last season. Um, so obviously Rory got the, got the benefit of that. So uh, speaking of, of press, she's obviously one of the best strikers you know, in the league, if not in the world. And then you also have Amy Rodriguez, who, again, is, is just a phenomenal striker for the league. But I think it's fair to say they probably didn't score as many goals as expected. Would you agree with that? And like, what are your plans to kind of alleviate that and then move that pairing along to where it probably should be? I think both situations are slightly different. I think with A-Rod, coming back off an ACL is difficult. You know, I went through it with Megan Rapino, And if you look at what, what Pino went through, she had a tough 2016, but was phenomenal in 2017. So, touch wood, that's A-Rod, right? Tough 2018, the transition back into being healthy is one thing. The transition to being back in the best possible place you can be. You probably started to see a real A-Rod towards the back end of the season. I think she scored in the last three games of the season, Washington Sky Blue Chicago. That's A-Rod, right? So I think this season for A-Rod's a huge turning point for her and a huge uh, opportunity for her. I think for Kristen, coming in when she did um, into an already established team's tough. And her and A-Rod have hardly ever played together before. So that was something I didn't really appreciate. You just assume our national team. When you actually look at it and the amount of times that those two have been on the field at the same time, very limited. So I think this this preseason um, is going to be vital to get that relationship. I think Vero helps with that. Played with both A Rod and Press um, in different markets, just to have that creativity. Because I think a lot of a lot of stuff was said about the fact that Press and um, A Rod didn't score the goals, but we didn't create a ton either. So you can't put it onto them that they have to create it and score it. You know, I think we've got to take it upon ourselves as a team that we didn't create enough opportunities collectively over the season to get where we wanted to be. Our defensive record was good, our possession stats were great, our passing stat was great, our, tra our chances created stat wasn't good enough to get in the playoffs and that's ultimately why we went there. Uh, you and I have talked about this before but so we can get it out there for the podcast listeners, Becky Sauerbrunn here coached against her for a long time she beat you in some tough matches what was it like to be on her side yeah it's, it's it's excellent i think becky's one of those players that you you watch from afar and you go oh she's she's excellent but then when you actually work with her and coach her you don't truly believe how good she is until you see her every day um not just what she does on the field but what influence she has on the people around her and who play in similar positions. I think this season was Rachel Corsi's best season that I'd coached her, and I've obviously had it for a number of seasons. I think she has to take a lot of credit in terms of that, in what she's invested in herself. But I think she would say, Becky was a huge influence on that too. Um, I think that 
that's Becky and, and one of the things I love about Becky is she's one of if not the best defenders this country has seen in a long time um, consistently over a number of years and she doesn't one believe that um, which is why she's so humble but secondly she every single day wants to be better and as a coach that's all you can ever ask for so that's why she's such a joy to work with honestly and how much of what she does because she's obviously always in the right position I don't know that she works hard but how much of that is innate and how much of that does she actually work on each day I think there's a bit of both I think she's super self-critical of herself when she makes mistakes and in my opinion they're few and far between um, but I think it's an innate trait inside of her where she just understands the game. She understands what's a threat. She understands that, oh, that player's a lot quicker than me. I need to make sure I get myself in this position so I don't expose myself. Oh, I'm okay pushing a little bit higher here because we've got good pressure on the ball, whatever it might be. And she just reads the game really, really well. And to be a top-class defender, you have to have a little bit of that inside of you for sure. To switch gears a little bit here, you know, for a while you, you were the only female coach in the league. Um, we've had some more come and go. There's been a lot of talk with some recent hires that there's a lack of, of diversity uh, among the highest levels of, of women's soccer. Would you agree with that? And what do you say are some of the, why do you think that is? Um, I don't really know what the answer is to that. Um, Obviously, I say openly, have done for a long time, that I think I've been super lucky in my career that I think timing a lot of it is, is everything. Um, even the, the Salt Lake job wasn't planned. I was, feel like I was in the right place at the right time. Um, but I, I think that we've got to... We've got to take a bit of responsibility as female coaches to put ourselves out there. I think the second side of that is I think people have to take take the opportunity to hire a female when it's a, a presented. And I say this a lot, I think that for I think a female coach's biggest challenge is they'll look at a job description for a job and let's say there's ten points. If a female candidate doesn't feel that they meet eight out of the ten points, they won't apply for the job. If a male candidate feels like they may be fit five out of the ten they'll apply hope for the best and I feel that that's a responsibility of, of us as female coaches to go put yourself put your name in the hat go for it you've got a great opportunity here um, obviously with the, the recent hires I, I don't know if any female coaches were in the running for any of those jobs I don't, I don't know the answer to that I hope they were um, and I hope that we can keep pushing that because I think it's a vital part of the sport and one of the things we're doing it, I did it in Seattle with Steph Cox, I'm doing it in Utah with Amy LaPalvet, is I think this generation of player who are gradually coming to their retirement, I think they've been exposed to excellent coaches over their careers and getting their feedback and their input and giving them the tools and the mechanisms to give back to the sport is a huge opportunity we have in the NWSL. So I hope to keep seeing that along the way too. So the likes of Steph Cox, the likes of Amy LaPalvet and whoever the next ones are, they should be back in the game because they're the ones who've played at the highest level they've been exposed at the highest level they know what it takes even if they're not the head coach but they have some role to play within the organisation I think that would be a huge asset to our league I actually spoke with Ali Krieger earlier and we talked a little bit about the C course which I believe was yeah, hosted it was by in Utah. the Royals um, did you have anything any input into that? 
I didn't have any input. I went down and watched a couple of days while the girls were there, and um, I think just watching from afar, you could tell that these some of those people on the course have just got a real, true love for the game, and uh, I see a lot of those people just on that course taking that opportunity and moving forward with it, and I think great, let's do it. The more the merrier. Let's get as many female players who then potentially can be coaches involved and any female coaches who are out there who want to be involved let's open our doors up to that because I think it's really important. So what will Amy be doing this season? So Amy was with us last season um, and she was an assistant coach um, and same role this year gradually giving her more and more responsibility um, hopefully we'll get her more and more responsibility as time goes on We've also got our WPSL team this year that um, I think there's talk of Amy having some involvement in that. Um, and that can be a good opportunity for a learning environment for her where she's not with me every day. She's not around players that she's played with every day, which I think will give her even more confidence to go out there and uh, take control and lead of some of the sessions, which I think would be great. And following up on what you said about female coaches having to put themselves out there, when you went to Seattle, did you contact teams in the league or did Bill reach out to you? Bill called me randomly in England. I, I, my phone rang and it was Bill Predmore on the other end of the phone asking me if I wanted to coach in a, in a league I didn't even know existed at the time. So, uh, yeah, he called me. I was, I was completely headhunted that way. Um, never expected it, didn't know anything about it. Um, but just super thankful because it was the best decision I made. Was it, uh, did it take some convincing at that point? 48 hours I resigned and was at, on a plane. Uh, so pretty uh, He's pretty persuasive. He's, pretty, he's, <laughs> he's uh, pretty persuasive when he wants to be, yeah. Um, speaking of the league, year seven is coming up now. We're losing our communications director. Uh, we haven't had a commissioner in quite a while now. What would you like to see from a new commissioner and even from a new communications director? I think for me, with the league, I've said this for a long time, I, it's not really about positions necessarily and who's in the positions and what they do but I think we don't sell ourselves enough as a league um, and promote the good things that we do I think we sit back and and watch and admire what we do rather than promote what we do I think we need to be better at that um, I think we need to be transparent in everything that we do the more transparency the better in my opinion in everything um, obviously there's some things that we don't want to share until we know that it's the right time and all that, I get, I get that but it goes back to the promotion of it because the more transparent we are the more we promote ourselves the more people are going to know about what we're doing and all the great things that go on in this league uh, the more players are going to want to play it the more coaches are going to want to coach in it because um, I think you know, media often will always pick up on the things that they hear and sometimes they're the rumour mills of the negatives you know. and I I appreciate that people have to report that, but if we come out and are transparent about things and we promote ourselves, we can flip a lot of these things that end up looking negative into a positive if we do it in the right way. So I'm a huge advocate for that. I sit in every meeting every year with the gym and send head coaches and say exactly that. Transparency, let's promote ourselves. Um, and I'm hoping that a lot of things have changed in the league in the last 12 months. I think uh, Mr. Hansen coming in, it's been a huge positive and he has some grand plans for our league that I think everyone's jumping on board with. That's your um, for anyone yeah. Know, 
and uh, he just wants his sport to be pushed into the right direction and I believe people like him can really make that happen. Um, I actually wanted to, to change it a little bit and see if you had any, any thoughts, any predictions on the uh, World Cup. Anyone, any certain players out there you think we should keep an eye on? Any bold predictions you're willing to make? Bold predictions. The boldest. Oh, the boldest prediction. I mean, it's not... I, I think the US are favourites. I think as long as they can keep the squad, nucleus of the squad healthy and fit I believe they are the team to beat um, I think I just think, I think Australia have got a great chance, similar I think they're obviously picking up a couple of injuries right now but I think if they can get their nucleus fit they've got a great chance, I think England have got to handle expectation for the first time, probably of being a nation that's truly a favourite to win it, so it'll be interesting how they handle that. And I think the host nation have got to deal with the pressure of being the host, but they have the ability and the, the players to, to challenge the US, I think, and never rule out Germany, is what I tell everybody. Let's double down on that. Who's the most irreplaceable US player? Oh, big, big <laughs> question. I would... Someone who plays for the Royals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I would say there's two parts. I'm going to answer it in two parts. I think whatever Jill's front three is that she picks, let's say she has a three. Um, I think if at right now, if you look maybe at um, the five that potentially start Tobin, Megan Rapino, Alex, Kristen, and probably Mal Pugh is the fifth, I would maybe say. Um, keep those five fit. I think they've got a great chance no matter who's out on the field. And for me, Becky Sabrin wins you a World Cup. I think she won the World Cup in 15, maybe. Didn't get on that All-Star team, but she was pretty good. All-Star team yeah. is a mess. Australia, yeah. the team with the best chance to beat the U.S. in a one-off. We're having a great day. U.S. maybe not playing great. I think England, actually. England? I think England have the one-off opportunity so uh, but I think them playing each other in she believes might be might be an interesting thing prior well, that's so. another interesting question does that benefit the US or does that benefit the team trying to catch the US if they play Australia too in April or May yeah I, I think it, I actually think that's a good thing for the US I think that playing the best teams or the, the, the most competitive teams around them sets them up for, for what the World Cup's going to look like because on paper right now everyone expects the US to walk their group right so you would think you think arguably the, the teams that they're actually playing prior to their group stage are a harder competition than what the group stage is going to be so um, you, they could face those teams again post group but I think it sets them up well to go into that group stage with a, either confidence or knowing this group of players if they don't play well and they don't get results against England or Australia, they're going to want to prove them right. So, if I was Australia or England, I wouldn't want to lose to. I wouldn't want to beat the US prior to the World Cup. Actually, um, so you have been involved with the US 23s before. Uh -huh. Speaking of the World Cup, do you think down the road we could see Laura Harvey World Cup coach? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Women's soccer is the wildest sport. <laughs> Ever. I have no idea. I would never rule anything out. Um, obviously, international 
uh, soccer is something that does interest me. I love working every day with players, so club soccer, I believe, is in my heart. I'm not sure I would say that I would walk away from that easily, but um, I'm not sure you could turn down coaching a team that potentially is going to be in the World Cup. And if I told you three years ago you'd be living in Utah, what would you have told me? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, would, uh, I don't think I would say that that was true, but I actually love it. I love skiing, I love playing golf, and Utah has some of the best ski resorts I've ever been to, and um, I am an obsessed about golf now. So. Okay. Well. You know they had golf, big in golf in Utah, so I would have thought skiing. Yeah, golf, golf's big. It is a lot, so it's great. All right, Laura Harvey, head coach of Utah Royals FC, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.